powered by Blast Processing. It's the This Game Web podcast with me, Chris, and... Me, Ashley. Hello, everybody. How is everybody? Yeah, all that stuff. That hey, well done. Listen to him. Chris likes me to ask you. I do now. That you can't answer. Unless you rate, like, and review or whatever it is. What is it? Well done. Good linkage. Yeah. Maybe, maybe in order to tell us how you are, let me ask you again better. How are you, listeners? Now, in order to tell us how you are today, leave us a review. Pop it in there. I'm good. We've been very chuffed this week because we've actually had a review. Yeah, somebody's actually uh, listened to us and then reviewed us. I don't know whether because we've asked them to or, or not, but we've, we were very pleased with it. It was a very, very glowing one. So thank you to, to Breadman123 for, for that review. It was it left a, yeah. a spring in our step and a smile in our hearts. It did. It came as a massive surprise, despite asking everybody that listens to leave us one yeah, I text I text you about it and you, you were incredulous what is a review I did I that was basically my text response to Chris but it was great yeah really really nice um really nice to see thank you ever so much yeah, so thank you to that person again uh yeah so yeah do that like share subscribe rate and review it always always feels a bit strange to do it at the start doesn't it yeah I saw an opportunity and I went for it yeah well well done it's applaudable I'm genuinely interested now though in how people are so if you can leave us a review and let us know. Yeah, f- five stars and just put, I'm good. That, that'd be really good for us. <laughs> that would be really, that would make me laugh. I'm good, eh? I'm good, thanks. It would remind me uh, of the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. I, I told you about that little story of the meta side of, of that, didn't I, oh, yeah. last week? Yeah, it went into the reviews. And it would, it would be kind of like that. Yeah. If you haven't played Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, um, you should probably probably have a little go. There's all sorts of fun stuff going on in there. I was reading an article this week about the bucket in it. The bucket's great. Yeah. Although I I think that, I mean, it's an easy way to get endings tacked on, isn't it? Well, I say that. I, I was going to say it's an easy way to tack endings on just by having you run through the whole game with a bucket. and cha- But then they've changed all of the dialogue. Like every line of dialogue references the bucket in, in quite fantastical ways. So Brilliant. What a game. What a game. Mm. Anyway, we're mm. not here today to talk about Stanley Parable. That's two weeks ago. No, we're not. What a different are we, game. What are we talking well, about today? This Please. week. Make it good. I'm a little bit worried, actually. You, I, you, I, you registered on my worry meter because I'm sure you've used the opener that you used today. I'm sure you've used that before. And when you do that, that usually means we're replaying a Uh-oh. game or, or a different version of a game that we've played already. If we have, that's a genuine error. But I have, chose, I ch- have chosen it because you got Narky with me Because, yeah, so it, it is a Mega Drive game, so there is some link there. This week, it is this game where you play as a cetacean, you journey through time and space, and it's a character that has been beached since the year 2000. Um, I'm assuming that it's Echo. So you know what a cetacean is then? I, I didn't know, so I've learned that today. Oh, okay. Yes, <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, okay. is it Echo? Is it Tides of Time or whatever? Is it Echo Two? It is Echo Two, the Tides of Time for yeah. the Mega Drive. Because I've never played the first one. Played the second one. Good Never me. played the first one. I've, I haven't played either of them, and I dredged that out of my out of the absolute pit of my mind. Well done. Very impressive. What you, yeah, you dredged the title? To, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I used to um, lust after these games. They, really? They were. Yeah, they were some of the earliest video game adverts that were on television that I remember. Anyway, oh, I don't remember. They that looked. At all. I I don't I don't mean that as a fact. I just mean that they were always on Channel Four and ITV as adverts, and you very very rarely saw adverts for video games 
in the 90s mm. at least in the uk so um yeah and and they did look as far as i remember they looked really nice the only adverts i remember was the whole to be this good it takes ages and that was, that was like was it a, a guns thing or, or something and he snarled it or the, the voiceover artist snarled it and i remember once at school in about year one or two that we watched something that had been taped off the telly like a, an educational program and the teacher had accidentally recorded the say advert and i was so excited to be watching a say advert in school yeah well that's that's how i felt every time video games ended up on television whether it was on purpose or by accident and i used to i i mean i used to love and in fact still do love when they when they actually happen um magazine shows so the the last one that i remember was video game nation oh i i have the great um, i have the pavlov's dog almost sort of i guess when i'm sat in bed reading and the telly's on the background and then a, an advert of the switch comes on it starts off with that click i instantly look up yeah I, any just anything i was always like that when i was a kid i can't remember any of them i used to watch do you remember the tv channel bravo uh, i'm aware of bravo but i never watched it, it was a bit, bit too masculine for me yeah well it was like a lads mag tv channel but it was the only place as well for a long time that had a weekly video game magazine show with talking heads and reviews and whatnot. Is that Bits? And it, no, it wasn't called Bits. I don't remember what it was called. But I used to have to watch that on Bravo. Bravo, for the most part, was an absolute sink of a, of a TV <laughs> channel. Well, since BBC Three, so since BBC Three has come back uh, to TV, there is a weekly video game show on that. It's only ten minutes long once a week, and I've not watched it. So uh, there you go. Video Game Nation. I think that was on Challenge TV. That was a very good one. Uh, with it had what's his face. Off, he was on Go Eight Bit. Steve McNeil. What's his name? It has Steve McNeil on it, and he did a really good, a really good segment that did like quite obscure games, and he played a miserable character that was always a little bit like grumpy. Then it also had Eva Wilson. I think it. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Yeah, I apologize it's if, if it's not. Yeah, so Eva Wilson. She was fab, fab on there. Um, and then Dan. I can't remember Dan's last name. So sorry, Dan. But Dan was on there, and he was like one of the main presenters. They were just they were just really good, really accomplished presenters doing a top notch job of talking about video games in an informed way. And I don't think enough people watched it, and it got cancelled. And I was gutted because where are the video games on TV? Where are they? Well, they're still not, are they? At all, it still seems no. as a niche. Well, that was yeah. the, the whole an untapped niche. I mean, we're going off on a massive tangent. We're not even ten minutes in, and we're not even already. About Echo yet. Yeah, Echo the. Uh, uh, BBC Proms, they're doing a, a video games prom, if you're not aware. Yeah. And there was yeah, outcry, I didn't know that. outcry about that. What, a, a negative one? Yeah. How how can there be a prom? How can there be video game music? It's all bleep, bleep, bloop. How, blah, 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 how? Blah, 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 blah. Is that true? Yes. Some of the best music written in, in the current day is video game music. Some of the most accomplished classical music is for video game soundtracks. Simple as that. Well... What an absolute nonsense. The world is a messed up place, isn't it? So so many people want to be judgmental. Just judge people well, his, for the things that they want to do and the things that they want to like and the way they want to live their lives. It's ridiculous. Links out there, here's a fun fact. There was a soundtrack to this game and the first one called Echo Songs of Time. It was released in 1996 and it was an orchestral soundtrack to both games. What a lovely link. That is a lovely link. I'm excited to hear that. Is it So presumably they haven't been able to reproduce that in the game because of the cartridge. It would be horribly compressed like the, say, the Sonic 3 soundtrack. From what I read, the Sega CD version had an orchestral soundtrack and then that was the thing that was then released on CD. So, but I didn't look into that too much because... 
I played the Mega Drive version as opposed to the Sega CD slash Mega CD version. So I didn't really do much digging into that. Chuck you a question you might not be able to answer. How similar are the Sega CD version and the Mega Drive version? Are they the same game with better music? I believe, again, from my limited research, I believe it's the same game with a few bells and whistles such as the soundtrack. But I did find another amazing fact. Right. This, Go for it. Right. Okay, the Mega CD version had an intro cinematic that was always 3D visuals, and it basically summed up the, the story of the first game, the plot of the first game. It was created by a studio called Angel Studios, who then went on to become Rockstar San Diego. Really? Yep. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I've, I found some genuinely really good facts about this game, which I'm quite looking forward to, to sharing with you and the listeners. Um, I, I, I okay, thought this well, would be... I always like a good fact. I thought this would be one of those games that's quite slight. Dry. And uh, it turns out there's actually quite a lot to talk about with this game. So so there you go. Excellent. Then I should shut up and let you do it. Go on. Well, the first fact is not really that fun. The, the first fact is I thought this was developed by Sega because it was on the Mega Drive, but it wasn't. It was developed by a company called Novatrade International, who are a, or were, I should say, were a Hungarian developer. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. They were founded in 1982. They had offices in America and were renamed Appaloosa Interactive in 1996. Do you know what an Appaloosa is? It was one of those words where I recognised it and thought, I know it's something to do with America, and had to Google it to find uh, out what Appaloosa I... is. Thing, I'm going to guess that it's a breed of horse. Well done, you. Yes, it, they're very pretty. If you want to Google them, they've they've got like kind of like a dappling, spotty effect towards their their back, and uh, it's, it's one of those names where there's like a few westerns that are named Appaloosa and, and things mm. like that. So um, yeah. Anyway, the company folded in 2006 with the last game being called Jaws Unleashed. But they did do quite a few games. I just down a few here. They did a game uh, based on Batman and Robin on the Game Gear. They did California games on the Mega Drive. They did Contra on the PlayStation 1. They probably did other games that didn't begin with B or C, but I didn't get very far through the list on Wikipedia. Oh, you baddie. What were they called? Just remind me. So initially called Nova Trade International, but were then renamed Appaloosa Interactive. And a guy who worked for Appaloosa Interactive slash Nova Trade international was ed annunziata he's the guy who created echo now i'm assuming i'm pronouncing his name correctly it's a double n u n z i a t a annunziata i think so jacob reese mugg's sister is called annunziata i did not know that so and i think that's how they'd say her name when she's on the television right now i'm not going to do any more talking about him in the first half but he is going to crop up again the second half when i talk about what happens to echo kind of after after this game. Did they remake Jaws Unleashed recently, or am I just thinking of a different game altogether? Not that I'm aware of. No. There was a, a there was a shark game that came out that was quite zany um, in the last couple of years, but I don't think it is Jaws Unleashed. It's just the, the name is giving me a little bell. Carry on, because I keep interrupting. No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. That important. They made the Magic School Bus game. Oh, well, there you, you go. You didn't tell me that, did you? Oh, Hold the front page. I'm just, so in case you haven't realised, I'm having a quick look at the games that they made. Oh, I, see I mean, it's just a pretty the, nice list. I see there was some sort of psychic bond going on there. but Richard Scarry's Busy Town. They made the Richard Scarry's Busy Town game. I know that it sounds like I'm being facetious but i'm genuinely not because busy town and the magic school bus are genuinely two of the things that i used to enjoy watching on television they're both books as well and in fact for tv shows they were yeah they were as busy town was i don't know uh yeah magic was, school, the bus magic was. school yeah bus. that was one i remember Didn't reading in that. primary school where they shrunk the bus down and went inside one of the children that sounds dodgy they were swallowed by one of the children and it went through his digestive system and i remember finding it absolutely fascinating i remember watching the episode of that but before I'd watched the episode of that, there's a 
television. Uh, there's a film called Inner Space. Have you ever watched oh, Inner yeah. Space? <laughs> yeah. Because Inner Space is is just that episode in film form. So I'd watched Inner Space and then watched uh, the Magic School Bus do a version of Inner Space. I was ecstatic. Did, so happy. Did the boy? I mean, I'm sure he didn't. But how did they escape? Did he poo them out or did he sick them out? I honestly can't remember and possibly don't want to know. No, I don't want to know either. I can remember which boy it was. It was the ginger boy. Of course it was. Anyway, sorry. Right, the the game was published by Sega, though. It is categorised as being an action-adventure game. I would have called it a platformer, but the more I thought about it, I realised it's not actually a platformer because there's no actual platforming. So, yes, it is. It's it's an action-adventure game. It was released for the Mega Drive, Game Gear, and Mega CD in late 1994, and... It was then released on the Master System in Brazil in 1996. Of course it was. Yeah, of course it was. I'm surprised it wasn't 2006. (laughs) Yeah, possibly. As I said when we first started, this is a sequel to the original Echo the Dolphin game, which I never played at all. It continued the story from that first game, but because I haven't played that first game, I didn't have a scooby-doo of what was going on. Okay. So link to that then, link to the plot. I got this as an Easter present in probably about 1996, I think, maybe 1997. Yeah, okay. And no, I, I was paused and I was waiting for some kind of scoffing about the idea of me getting Easter presents. And it was a. That's fine. No, okay, I, thanks. I've heard of that before. It's a very middle class thing to do. Yeah. So, okay. It, will, it, it was, however, me. it was one of those games that was second hand with P on the cartridge and the manual from That's okay. Electronics Boutique, which we talked about no a judgment. few times before as well. Did you get Easter presents in lieu of chocolate eggs? Because um, that would be the unusual thing if you were getting both. I think from parents got. A little something Easter, for example, a second-hand Mega Drive game. But I don't think Easter eggs as well. Okay. And also, were you celebrating Easter in the same way that you celebrate Christmas because of, like, religious bent in the household? Or was it just that you as a secular household liked getting and giving presents? Definitely more column B than column A. Right. Okay. Just wondered. Gifts. Gifts in it. Okay. So I got the game for Easter, and I couldn't get past either the second or the third level because the game has a reputation for being extremely difficult. Okay. Um, I am not going to be able to correct that, I don't feel. No. I know my game scores have got a lot rustier since then. You know, I'm playing this probably about age 10, maybe 11. And I remember... I I remember, I remember, if that makes sense. It does make sense. I yeah. used to collect Sonic the Comic. I think I talked about that before as well. And Sonic the Comic used to have a section of cheats and tips and passwords and all that. And I suddenly remembered, I was on the second or third level, and I remembered that one of the back issues I kept, because I used to keep them and just used to read them over and over and over, Sonic the Comic, had all the passwords for all levels of Echo 2. So I went and dug out the magazine, opened the bottom drawer of my wardrobe that had the magazine pile in, dug out this magazine, went and I played through every level in the game, well, I said play through, I played a fraction of every single level in the game. And that was my play experience of Echo, was playing each level for probably about two minutes maximum, and then going back to the password screen and starting it again, or starting another level again. There are a lot of levels in this game. If you play it on easy mode, there are 26 levels. If you play it on hard mode, it goes up to 36, and then there's an epilogue a section after the ending of the game which increased it to 41 oh thank you for clarifying what an epilogue sorry was. i was i was filling time because i was trying to catch my train of thought and i realized as i was explaining epilogue that i didn't need to explain epilogue so my apologies because that was extremely patronizing of me <laughs> i'm probably guilty of worse i'm definitely guilty of worse of worse uh, it is a very epic game in terms of the scale and grandeur of the game and i got a flavour of this having tested each level of the game. You went up towards the end of the game, you went up on these spaceships and space stations that 
coincidentally have got pools of water hanging off the outside of them, which you can then Lucky. swim through and jump out of and then splash back in the one a bit further back or further ahead. So you can navigate these space stations through these pools of water. As I was playing a small sample of each level, I had no understanding of what was going no on idea. whatsoever yeah. <laughs> at all. Just the fact that it was utterly, utterly bananas. So as part of my research for this, I read the plots on Wikipedia for this game. And even having read okay. the plot, I still don't really understand what this so, game is about. It's it's really, surprisingly, quite sci-fi, which I was Okay, we're going to be going through that, hopefully, because I am interested. But um, as a prologue to this thank you do you know what was actually going on in echo the dolphin the first one was he going after rescue his son or something like that uh I'm echo jr well because it's an echo jr game isn't there echo jr came out after this right and is that is that echo's son yes I'm, is I'm, there, I'm i don't know are there dynasties are there echo <laughs> dynasties do they have a last name is it the dolphin um yes no i don't know first name echo second name the dolphin you know like wrestlers um, what like? Oh, I can't even give examples now. Uh, no, I, I I don't know. I have no idea. Okay, damn. Okay, sorry. Uh, do you want to know about the the? Do to know about the plot of this game then? I am on the edge of my seat. Tenterhooks. Well, it involves you traveling to the future where the ocean itself has become sentient and is connected by a series of waterways that connect it through the sky. You end up going to different time streams, pun in, unintended, with a, both a good and a bad future like Back to the Future 2, uh, you end up going to Atlantis towards the end of the game, and the plot conclusion after you defeat the big bad guy, it's you end up sending the bad guys, uh, who are called the Vortex, you send them back into prehistory on Earth, where they then evolve and adapt to Earth's climate because they're from another planet, and then they evolve into arthropods. What, just the, just arthropods? All, all arthropods. Or, or a specific type? Nope. So, all... so the Vortex turned into all arthropods? Apparently so, yeah. Right, so what? Uh, and calm down a little bit, or were arthropods and dino- dolphins arch enemies for the rest of time? I don't know. I think you're reading too much into it. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to understand. I thought we were on the same journey together. Oh, that, that I, I apparently not. I completely just. I was reading this earlier, and it is absolutely as clear as mud, and it just turned me off completely. That I mean, that it's kind of turned me on. Oh, to the game, right? Because I thought that it was a lot more as as grounded. I was going to say grounded, a lot more grounded, as grounded as being a dolphin on an adventure can be. Although saying that, I might just be completely underestimating dolphins, and and in fact, they do go on quite a lot of adventures, probably, don't they? Like, oh, ship, let's go. Let's go swim, swim alongside that ship and, and jump up and yeah. out, up and down out of the water. It's more adventurous than my Tuesday, so well, who am true. I to judge? Yeah, and dolphins are supposed um, to be very intelligent as well. They are, yeah. So there's potential there that they actually do fancy going on adventures. Are, They're quite they, playful. So aren't they one of the only other animals that have um, intercourse for fun? Yes, I believe that's the the dolphin fact. Yeah. The dolphin it's the fact. The dolphin fact. Yeah. I don't like the face you're pulling right now. No, sir, I'm just thinking about thinking about dolphins. You gave a very wistful yes there. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was... I'm going to listen to that back and hear you're horny. No, no. And I'm not going to enjoy it. I was thinking about pigs, but I think the pig sex fact... You were thinking about pigs when you went, yeah. I think the pig sex fact is that the male pigs have willies that are corkscrew shapes as well as their tails. 
And that's, that's, are, what I was try- yes. that's what I was trying to unpick, as it were. Um, yeah. I mean, I've once watched, I can't remember the context of so this is going to sound worse than it should, but I've once watched a an artificial insemination of a pig. Of course you did. That's the most Ashley sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you. I can't remember why either. So it was definitely, it was, it was a man. So, so pigs, pigs have quite an interesting and strange, um, like courting thing I think whereby they sort of rub up against the backside of the female pig and they try and they, they, they are quite forceful in terms of sort of slapping the backside of the female pig, metaphorically speaking, before they mount. And in order to artificially inseminate a pig the farmer has to replicate all of this uh rough foreplay so he has to sort of give the female pig a bit of a wallop around the sides so that she gets a bit you know receptive dirty boy so yeah i might cut that i might leave it in no, it depends on how i feel on the day i think as well that and again i don't want to google this i think that pig orgasms last for half an hour or can last up to half an hour she maybe maybe quantify that <laughs> Exactly half an hour. Yeah, yeah, that to the second. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Not a second more, uh, not a second less. I mean, there aren't any pigs in Echo the Dolphin. I don't really know how we got here. Oh, dolphins having sex for fun. How long are dolphin orgasms, do we know? Are there any in the game? Is there a sex scene? Not that I'm aware of. But other animals is a you know, really awkward segue alert. Do dolphins alert. masturbate? That's the real really question. Really awkward Do they do that for fun? Segue alert. As part of the game, and we'll come, come back to the, the grandness in a mix, I do want to talk about it a bit more, you end up turning into other animals oh right okay i distinctly remember the bit where you turn into a seagull and in right. in the level i didn't know that either the, the level um i had a look at the passwords earlier when i was counting up how many levels there are the pass the password for the level where that happens is called fin to feather which i thought was quite a nice title there mm. i remember that one there are other levels where you turn into other animals i don't remember these i'm guessing because within the levels they are in, that's probably a bit further past the point I got to. Did that sentence make sense? I think mm. that sentence made sense. Yeah, I think it made I understood. The other ones you turn to are jellyfish, shark, a whole school of fish, which raises a lot of questions about the metaphysics behind that. And you also turn Yeah, into... it's not the first game that I've seen that, though. Oh, really? Pokemon's got that, hasn't it? Wishy-washy. Which one's that? There's a. It's called Wishy-washy. Well, there's, yeah. a, there's a Pokemon called Wishy-washy, and it has a schooling form. And a different form. Oh, really? And, and the schooling form is many multiples of fish who presumably share some kind of hive mind. I don't know. Wow. So I don't know why games are so obsessed with the hive mind of fish, mm. but it started here in the 90s, I guess. And then you can also turn into one of the vortex, one of the baddies as well. Okay. So we're, we're going to go back because we took a massive segue. Do you need to say something before we go back? Nope, not at all. Okay. Um, we're going to go back because we took a massive segue off the back of me saying that it this that your description of the game has turned me on to the game because I thought that it was a lot more grounded than that. And I also thought that it had a, a and this wasn't a turn off necessarily. Um, I also thought that it, it had a sort of environmental bent, that there was an element of trying to save the world from the climate catastrophe. I've noted down, I've put environmental message um, and I think that the first game has that environmental side to it and is a bit more realistic, mm. but I might be wrong because I've never played it. I just seem to recall that that's the case, but I might be wrong. Yeah. The second one just seems to go off in this, this complete tangent and is just yeah. so, so utterly bizarre, which I was quite surprised at 
when I was looking for my notes for this. I, I remember the sequel level, but I didn't really remember a lot of else about it. And then when I started looking into the passwords, etc., I then suddenly had this memory about the, the spaceship and all the levels around that. I remember thinking at the time when I was nine or ten playing it, thinking, what on earth is this? And then mm. that, again, reminds me today uh, about how utterly bananas it gets towards the end of the game. Yeah, so there's a game that when you were talking, when you were explaining that you turn into different animals and things, there's a game on the Super Nintendo called, I think it's called Evo or EVO or something like that. And it's the story of evolution. So you start off as a uh, some kind of wiggly thing in the ocean and then you, over the course of the game, every every level will have you be a different animal. And you were evolving as the game goes on. I did talk about was it Spore a couple of weeks ago with The Sims. Well, Spore is the same sort of thing, uh, but a bit more abstract because you're evolving into uh, an, an alien that is of your own design. Right. Whereas Evo was an attempt to replic- replicate or represent in, uh, in a stripped-down version the evolutionary um, track that humans followed, I think. And Echo, I mean, it's not doing the evolution thing, but Echo sounds, Echo, that's the thing that I immediately thought of when you were describing what's, what's going on with this sequel. So you have, so, yeah. so you have the recollection about there being some environmental side to it as well. I did as well. I don't know if maybe the mm. first few levels have that as a bent. I, I really don't know. Mm. Okay. Well, we're going to find out. Have you got the cheats for us to use? Yes, I've I've got a link to a GameFAQs page Ooh. with all the passwords. There is all, there are also some other cheats. Thank God, um, which leads us again nicely into the, the gameplay. The, the gameplay you attack by ramming into things, as a bottlenose mm-hmm. dolphin perhaps does in real life. I don't know. You have a sonar that you use to communicate and interact with things. There are glyphs, which are, I remember there's been pinky purpley crystals, and you okay. You, you do s- you want to know the answer to that question? Because I can tell you. What about bottlenose dolphins ramming into things? Yeah. Yes, I do. Yes. Yes, they do. Do they? Yeah, they do. Realism. Yeah, they actually, um, they kill sharks. Oh. Dolphins can hunt and kill sharks. I didn't know that. And they do it by ramming into them with their, oh. causing like uh, ruptures in their uh, in organs. Jesus. Yeah, it's basically like getting to a ring with a, a heavyweight boxer going up against a dolphin. So people think dolphins are all, all smiles because of the smile and the, the, the fact they have fun, etc. But there's a, there's a dark side to them, is there? They're basically like the bikers of the ocean. Basically, that's that's just what I'm hearing. As a dolphin, you obviously have to surface for, for air. And I distinctly remember like just really enjoying swimming, charging up to the surface of the water and then jumping out and spinning in the air and then going back down landing. And I just found that really fun. Nothing to do with the actual game itself, not actually furthering the plot or, or the level that I was on, just just enjoying being a dolphin. I think that's well that's an actually that's actually quite an important aspect of the game to get right because as we've alluded to, dolphins go off looking seemingly they seem to go looking for fun. Hmm. And our at least our perception of them is that they are uh, playful, somewhat carefree. They're probably not, probably got like stressful lives. But you know, paying the mortgage on time and all that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you know, like that—that's our quintessential uh, vision of, mm. of dolphins leaping out of the ocean and spinning about and trying to trying to impress us because we're the most important species on the planet. Oh, definitely. It's basically like a big old audition. Sorry, go on. No, that's that's it. I've got absolutely nothing else to say about the game for this half. Oh, for this half, I've got some amazing yes. facts. But I'm going to hold on to them for the second half. Oh. That's unusual. Okay, cool. Right. Great. 
You're right. I was being a dolphin. Yeah, I got that. I was I was just working on some pun about being dolphin friendly, like tuna. But I like your, your clicks. That's better. No point, is there? No point. No. Just no be point. a dolphin. It's the answer yeah. to everything what, most of what, the time. What's the poor poise? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I've taken the window. Yep. Right. Echo, <laughs> Echo the dolphin too. It's as good as I was hoping it would be, and it's a lot better than I was hoping it was going to be, or than I thought it was mm. going to be. I should say. Yeah, so this is a game that lives up to expectations, and they are expectations that, to be fair, I haven't thought about since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, or whatever you want to say, but... Knee-high to an arthropod. And in some regard... Sorry? Knee-high to an arthropod. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, A a vortex. Yeah, it's it's expectations that I haven't really thought about since uh, the days where I would have been seeing this... um, advertised like i described in the first half in some ways you could expect that those expectations would have grown but at the same time it's also a game i haven't thought about in that period either so you know what i'm saying in a long-winded fashion is my expectations were reasonable and they were matched or possibly exceeded because the game was pretty good yeah, we had a weird first. Well, not weird. That's the wrong word. We had a, a really interesting first few minutes where we kept saying, "Oh my god, this is amazing! Oh, this is amazing! Have you seen this bit?" And just kept reeling off all these things that really surprised us with with the game because it really came out in 1994. The visuals looks beautiful. Oh, oh yeah. it was stunning. But that is what I remember more, more than anything else. Just the way it looked because obviously I wasn't playing it in in the 90s so the, all i had really was its visuals and therefore it doesn't really surprise me or shouldn't really surprise me just how good it looked at the same time it did kind of take me aback just how well animated well drawn everything is because yeah, it, it was everything it was the backgrounds mm. it was the fact there were other fish bobbing around near you that when you got close to them swam away from you but echo himself the the fluidity of his animation and the fact you could go left or right up and down and if you went up or down for example this little flip in the water it just looked so good yep and then we also realized later on that we you could hold down c to get a burst of speed and if you went up to the surface holding down c to get speed and then you went up you did this flip which is what i talked about the first half just uh, be able to do that was so much fun. They really nailed the movement of a dolphin. And given that this is a 2D game on a 16-bit console in the middle of the 90s, in in what is, for all intents and purposes, the first throws of, well, maybe the second throws of game development. It's game development in its absolute infancy. The fact that they managed to nail that down so so well is is yeah a testament to their skills i think and with that movement the stages were were fairly small quite labyrinthine at times but i actually quite enjoyed just moving around the stages and enjoying the sensation of moving through them and getting from a to b across the map by charging or by swimming really quickly or whatever but just actually having that fluidity of movement as echo i really liked yep yeah me too yeah, I think if the levels had been any bigger, because they weren't huge, but if they had been any bigger, then there would have been potentially, mm, I don't know, I was going to say potentially some frustration, but actually I could see Echo being reborn as a, like a Metroidvania type um, exploration game. Mm. I really could in a, in a very large world 
that is persistent, not level based, just um, one whole connected world a la Metroid or Castlevania or Hollow Knight or something. Yeah, I can certainly see like links between this game and Metroidvania. Now you've mentioned that. Yeah, well, one of the things that we, you and I were really, really enjoying was the fact that the game wanted you to explore. It it was very much about exploring the spaces that it gives you and figuring out its little mysteries. You very quickly end up in this sci-fi element. Uh, you very, you very, you very quickly end up embroiled in the sci-fi-ness of it um, because you get greeted by a future dolphin called Trellia who uh, presumably the only the only way you can tell it's a future dolphin is because it's got very very long very long arms or fins I think I think the dolphins call it call them fins I think so yeah it's got very long fins and then she transport or they transport you off to I don't know what gender uh, they transport you off to uh, the future, and then the future's got these weird, what we were calling trees, but like sky tracks in the tracks in the sky that you can swim up and do all kinds of acrobatics from. And that le- that first level, when you were trying to figure out uh, what sequence you had to hit those crystals, and even just find the crystals, none of it is is uh, signposted for you. Really, you've just got to look around the level, see what you can find, see if you can put together. Um, what's going on. I, I thought it was quite refreshing. And there was a bit of hand-holding with that because the second level you had to manoeuvre crystals, these glyphs that I mentioned in the first half, which were blue, not pink. I'm not sure where I got pink from. You had mm. to manoeuvre them and then that then gave you a password. Well, I say password. It gave you a, a password represented by some circles that went into Echo, which was showing that you had gained the password from that glyph. And then you went to another part of the level, used your sonar on another glyph, and it then broke. So that was the, the system. That was the game telling you, right, from glyphs, you get passwords to open up other glyphs. And then in this level that Ash is talking about, you then have this whole system where glyph A enabled you to get to glyph B. Glyph B gave you a password that enabled you to get past glyph C, that got you a password from glyph D that was behind glyph C, that enabled you to then go to glyph E and use that password from glyph D mm. to get out the level. But that whole string of events, there was no text or anything telling you that. You had to figure it out yourself, which I really, really enjoyed. And yeah, I did. Going back to the first half when I said how I struggled with this as a 10, 11-year-old when I played this in 1997, I think it's probably because that was so abstract. Like I, I would have wanted yeah. it explained to me. And because it wasn't explained, I think I probably just gave up. I was struggling initially to understand what you meant by an element of hand-holding, but what you really mean is like um, implicit tutorialization. Completely. Which, yeah, so we, it, it's not it's not tutorial text. It's just the game showing you this is a mechanic that we have yeah. by by making you engage with the mechanic. So, yeah, um, I, yeah, it does do that, um, which which I hadn't really thought about as a as a thing, but yeah, it does do that. You've just picked up on the abstractness. What what we actually were saying to each other, or what you said to me, in fact, was that the approach this game takes is a very adult approach, and that's one of the reasons you think maybe you were turned off as a child, yeah. because it's it expects more, it expects a certain level of engagement from you as a player that maybe the other fare that you were treated to as a child just didn't expect. I think you were completely right. I think you were onto something with that because this is this is a game that expects you to think. 
your way through it. Yeah. It's not a puzzle game by any stretch, but it's definitely one that's trying to get you to get you to figure things out rather than just amble through or react. You actually have to contemplate in, in some fashion. And that also extends to the plot itself as well. There are elements where Trellia or other characters speak to you and tell you what's going on, but then you've got to figure things out for yourself. And we've we've mentioned that a few times. Hollow Knight's an example we, we have talked about with that happening before. And mm. again, as an Avalor gamer, I really enjoyed that because I'm having to, to fill in the gaps between the elements, the, the little nuggets of plot that's given to me. As yeah. a child, I would have had no concept. I'd have been really bamboozled by these flying dolphins and these trees that I can swim in that are grey out the water. Whereas approaching it now... I can understand and I can I can kind of work out what's going on, but I like the fact that I'm not being explicitly told. I'm drawing my conclusion. Yeah. It's funny because this is the era, really, the 90s, uh, certainly mid to late 90s, where games started to to sort of, certainly, again, on the Mega Drive, games were trying to convince the audience that they were big boys. Mm-hmm. and And you got things released like splatterhouse have we done splatterhouse yet i can't know we've talked about feel, it we haven't I feel like we had are you sure no we have we did it for um halloween um yes, we, we did splatterhouse. yeah and it yeah was, i thought it we'd was done splatterhouse so things like yeah things like splatterhouse things like mortal Kombat, things things that were explicit and adult in their content they were the sorts of games that were trying to convince the world that games were for for adults and that games were made by big boys and it 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 kind of i never understood it i never i still don't really understand why certain themes um are considered more adult than others when things like this when things like echo tides of time exist this is an adult game this is a game that expects more of you <laughs> and yet when people compare it to the likes of those games that i've just mentioned and and others i would imagine that it would come off the worse just off the bat because people wouldn't consider it a game for grown-ups i think because you've got it's a dolphin you're playing as that it's yeah. an easy assumption to make that it's for children or you know, or not for adults yeah even the, the box art the box art is echo floating in some water with a few miscellaneous underwater animals and there's a turtle and a jellyfish etc behind mm. it and it, it doesn't it, it, look tells you nothing of the game itself it's just a dolphin that that wouldn't entice anyone to buy it or at least it wouldn't entice people to understand what this game is the dolphin doesn't look on the cover the dolphin doesn't exactly look like a cartoon character though it's no, kind it of a weird it almost kind of looks like a grand theft auto take on a dolphin it's like it's like he's giving them a mean-spirited look <laughs> it's weird actually now, now that you've pointed me towards it i've never actually looked at that cover but it is quite a strange rendition of a dolphin it's like don't mess with me sort of dolphin isn't it <laughs> i guess Sorry. So. <laughs> there we go thank you that's for our dolphin listeners <laughs> yeah another thing we both talked about which actually follows on nicely from that the maturity level of the game is when you start up you're presented with echo underwater and it's essentially it's the uh, options menu the start menu of the game yeah but you're not told it's that. So Echo's underwater. If he swims to the left, he swims off, and then you then get the password screen. But you're not told, go left for password. You've got to figure that out yourself. And then if you move to the right, if you go to the top path, 
where, where it branches off, you go into the normal difficulty of the game or easy difficulty uh, where it's 26 levels. And then the bottom right path takes you to the hard path of the game where you've got the full 36 levels. And I really like that, the fact that that could so easily have been like, yeah, Sonic 2 springs to mind, for example, um, where you've got the, the logo and then just a few options underneath it where you scroll left, scroll up or down to select it and then press A to go into that menu. Could have been that, mm. but they decided to make it part of the game experience. And that's so unusual and brilliant. There are games that I can think I can think of one game. Or actually, I say I say there are games, but there, I can think of one game that kind of does that. And that is Psychonauts, where you land on the brain. And you walk uh, yeah, around the brain yeah. to to walk in, but it's, it it isn't the norm. The norm is absolutely um, three or four options: start game, load game, continue, or whatever. Um, that's definitely the norm. the The really unusual thing with this is that it's completely in game, except for the language selection. So you get you select your language, and then from there, everything is in game. It's it's like there's nothing outside the scene to to break the realism i don't know if that's the right word for this but to break the realism to break the fourth wall well i guess again conversation tangent linked to the realism we were both playing through and i commented there's, there's no map and mm. ashley said oh actually i quite like it there's no map and he then figured out if you hold down a which is the sonar uh, it then the sonar then pings back and then it brings up a map which you know that is how a dolphin would understand the world around it. And the map is then represented as almost like an outline, a silhouette of a dolphin with yeah. the map bit of it filled in, but only the area around where you are at that point. If you want to see a bit further, you have to swim a bit further left or right and then do the mm. sonar pinging back to you again. What, what a masterstroke. Yeah, I do. I did enjoy playing it without a map. I thought that just the um, the fi- trying to navigate... A- a space without i said to you and i was being flippant but then they're not particularly known for their cartography the dolphin speak the, the dolphin race i don't know what you call them dolphins aren't known for map making so it made sense in that way and having to navigate a space it's like landing in a new city and having to figure out where you're yeah. going um i i kind of like doing that in real life and i kind of like doing that in games that's really the only explanation you need i suppose um did really i did really enjoy finding the actual map though in the game i i did think that and i do think that it's a really novel way to have to access your map to echo locate the space around you i think that's great um and and just finding it i was absolutely gleeful i i sort of exploded over the microphone oh, there's a map there is a map it was it was a nice little moment for me but if you wanted to play it in your way and not have the map at mm. all, you could do, you know, most of the games would have the map as a hood in the bottom of the corner mm. and it'd be there the whole time. Or you could turn it off mm. if you wanted, you know what I mean? Whereas to mm. have that as an option, it's there if you want it, but if you don't want to, you don't have to. Again, brilliant. Yeah, it's uninvasive. And I, I appreciate when games give you that uninvasive um, approach. At risk of us just uh, saying how amazing this game is, there are a few negatives. There One are a few negatives. For me, is you start off the game and Echo can breathe underwater, and apparently that's a remnant of the plot of the first Echo game. And about the second or third level, I think it's between the second and third levels, that ability to breathe underwater gets taken away from you. So then you are having to, as you go through the levels, having to swim up to the surface every so often to get some air. We did discover there are some conch shells that have bubbles come out of them in exactly the same mm. manner as the labyrinth or underwater levels in Sonic the Hedgehog games. 
Um, but that is quite a frustrating game thing. You're trying to explore down deep down beneath the, uh, the the surface of the water, but then you're having to then go back up to breathe or find these shells, and that did make it unnecessarily frustrating. There isn't a life system, so if you do die, you just reset, and that's that. There's no other um, risk or whatever. But again, that's great. No lives, we like that. But it's a not unusual gameplay loop because I understand that's that's there because he's a dolphin. But I, I don't know. They used it. They they used that limitation to challenge you in various ways. So one yes. of the one of the what you might call puzzles in the game in, in the first few levels was that you had to go through what was a little bit of a maze to find a crystal or glyph. Were you calling Glyph. them glyphs? So to find a glyph that had the password to get you through a different glyph, a different doorway. Um, and once you got through that glyph, there was a turtle. So that's the bit I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to get to that crystal, you only had, you sort of had just enough oxygen to be able to get to the crystal and get back out. But you had to, re- yeah, um, you had to be really sort of on point in terms of, your timings and getting down there and getting back up so they were they were incorporating it into the challenges that they were meeting out to the player uh it's just not really our our thing you and i i don't think being put under that kind of pressure um, yeah uh, i think that's fair that, I, and i mean that very specifically that kind of pressure there are other ways that a game can pressure you or i that we're quite okay with. That's just not one that I think either of us enjoy. It's akin to being underwater in chemical plant zone and having the the horrible music start. I just yeah. don't like it. Um, other players probably don't have any problem with it or maybe even enjoy it. So, you know, it's it's kind of a swings and roundabout situation, I think. Rather floats you but I, this, or floats you per, Exactly. Personally, I would have been... I would have been happier to have been left to do the exploration stuff and then found a different way to challenge me that was in in keeping with the exploratory elements of the game as opposed to the time challenge uh, part of the game. Was there anything else you didn't like? Because I'm looking at my notes and all I've written is the word air. Okay, what else? Uh, So... Have we covered the air thing, Chris? Uh, We can move on from there. I think Yeah, okay. Um, there was another thing and I think this is bigger than the air because I can kind of accept uh, I mean again realism wise uh, putting the flying dolphins aside that occur (laughs) somewhat later in the game um, realism wise having a dolphin require air is actually more realistic so um, you know maybe we can uh, forgive it on that on those grounds if no, no other Another thing that I hated more than the air was the transitional levels between one area and another. So as you were moving, I think, through time, I think through time, as you were moving through time, you swam through these, um, what, what would you say? Uh, it's sort of yeah, like the Lion King level where you've got the wildebeest running through yeah, the canyon. I can't I remember. Could... You, were, you were swimming away from the camera levels. imagine like the, ah. the, bon- the bonus level in sonic 2 yeah the bonus level in sonic 2 great yeah so it was like that you were swimming away from the camera and um you had to swim through these rings and if you missed a number of rings it took you back to the beginning of the level before these transitional bits um the problem was 
that some of these rings were above the sea, above the surface of the water. So you had to jump out of the water and through those rings. Those rings were really difficult to judge. Distance-wise, it's just really difficult to know exactly when to jump out of yeah. the water to hit to get through them. Um, but also, it was very easy if you were swimming underwater. It was very easy to miss those rings above the water and if you miss too many like I say it started you from the beginning of the level again if you're going to do that i understand thematically that dolphins jump out of water and it's part of being a dolphin but in terms of be that like player passing the level i just think that you were better off keeping them underwater or, or making them have, easier. Just have one. Uh, Swim through one, them. and that's the thing that transports you to where you need to go to. Yeah. The Kingdom Hearts has those gummy ship mm. levels that transition you between one planet and another. And I quite like those. I, I actually think they're a decent minigame. I, I enjoyed collecting gummy pieces and building ships and stuff. This is Echo's version of it. I think there's a place for it. I just think that implementation-wise, it could have been better. And it's largely to do with just those rings above the surface, as far as I'm concerned. I feel a bit remiss that I'd completely forgotten about that because I was really annoyed by those as well, and that I'd just completely forgotten about that. Being that part is of the, the game. worst part of the game, isn't it? Yeah. Thinking back, it really is the worst part of the game. At the same time, traveling through those things, traveling through those areas, there there were some really nice, uh, some really well realized environments. So above the above the ocean surface. The the first one that you go through has got this really lovely looking sunset. It's just really nice. And then one later on in the game had um, like weird kelpie ropes that you had to navigate your way around mm. to get to the rings. I thought that was really good as well. Go back onto positives then. The music was also really nice. Had this lovely ambient mm. electro kind of style to it that was just, just really nice to listen to, really pleasant to have on burbling away at no point did yeah. it feel intrusive it was it just suited the levels perfectly it changed each level uh, but it was it was lovely there were moments that i stopped and listened to the music just just to listen to the music because it was quite impressive i i really quite enjoyed the soundtrack and uh, as you say it was unintrusive in the sense that um it was all sort of completely extra diegetic it didn't have any impact impact on what was going on in the game and it didn't tie into what was going on in the game but it was just really nice it was just a really nice accompaniment um one thing that i forgot to do was look at the bloom look up the blooming orchestral uh ah. stuff so i i will be doing that after we've finished i think well while you're doing that there might be something else you want to look at, at as well have you heard of vaporwave music Yes, I have. I, right, we we had quite a conversation about vaporwave. I was, I thought, well, yeah, I'm sure we did because I I proposed that our theme tune for this podcast, this very podcast, ah, should be okay. should use a vaporwave tune off Bandcamp. No, it's not ringing a bell. Or no, it's not a bell at all. All right. Well, we went through quite a few different tunes we did, uh, yeah. until we landed on the one that we have, and uh, se- several of them were vaporwave. I really like vaporwave music. Yeah, yeah, I do as well. So anyone's not aware of what vaporwave is, it is slowed down and chopped up samples over like sort of 
lounge music and the visuals for it are really glitchy it's very very internet-y there's a there's a sub-genre of vaporwave that i really like called simpson wave which is where people oh of course yeah of course absolutely which where people took clips from simpsons episodes and that they've done that thing where they make it like it's a vhs it's got all the glitchy lines going over it and it loops around there's there's an amazing simpson wave song on youtube called sunday school and, and it's got this weird purple haze over the top of it and it's just it's i could i could watch it for well not for days but you know what i mean it is i really like it anyway vaporwave um a album that is widely credited as being the first vaporwave music is called chuck person's echo jams volume one Oh wow! This, okay, this is by a guy called Daniel Lopatin, L O P A T I N, who is also known as One O Tricks Point Never, who is one I've heard of but never actually listened to his music at all. He's an electronic producer. Yeah, he he is famous for doing the soundtrack to Uncut Gems, which I, mm. I don't remember the soundtrack of that particularly, but I remember the film being absolutely incredible. But he started off one of his first forays into music was releasing this title, Chuck Person's Echo Jams Volume One. It came out in August twenty ten. Um, it samples Fleetwood Mac, Toto, ELO, a few other things in this vaporwave style. As I said, it's credited as being the first vaporwave album. But mm. the artwork for the album is vaguely Mega Drive Vision. It features cover art from Echo One and it features loops and samples from the first Echo the Dolphin game. Now, that is tangential to we're talking about the second game, but realistically, we're probably never going to play the first Echo the Dolphin game as part of this podcast because I never played it and you never played it. So I thought it seemed like a good, a good way to, to shoehorn it in uh, it sets. might be a it might be a special Maybe. i mean uh, off the back of this game personally i'd be interested yeah, in that in a way that i wasn't fair before enough. um it's it's so popular and so big or at least it's credited mm. as being so big within the movements that cassettes of the original um album sold for around 250 dollars and 33 and a third the company who released books actually got me a, a book of theirs based on the Mario soundtrack mm. for, for Christmas. They, Have they done one of this, Echo Jams? So they released a book called The B-Sides, which is basically a series of essays on pieces of music or albums <laughs> that, that are strong enough to kind of you know be written about, but not once to have a whole book written about them. And The B-Sides book has got a chapter about Chuck Person's Echo Jams Volume 1 because oh of it being God. so big within the Vaporwave movement. So I get an album I had music, no idea. I know. How incredible is that? Yeah, that's amazing. I'm gonna. I've never listened to that. I've never listened to that album. I'm gonna be listening to that album. Probably pop it on tomorrow at work. Yeah, that's yeah. So I found I'll also out. probably be buying the book. It's the B sides, you say? Yeah, I don't know if it's a book or if it's just a series of essays that are online or something. But they've definitely done something about it. When I found that out, I listened to it. It's on. It's on YouTube, available for free. Uh, it it is. It is vaporwave. It is exactly what you want from vaporwave. Uh, it was really nice background music. As I said, I, I like vaporwave music anyway. So if mm. you're listening to it, this listen to us. You're not sure what vaporwave is, or if you like vaporwave, you know, just just oh. ha- have a listen. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. The the B sides is a book. You can get the book. Oh, okay. So I will probably be having a little look at that. There you go. Right, so uh, that's kind of the end of, of Echo 2. So as always, we kind of think about what happened after this came out. But again, mm. some in- there's some interesting stories about the, the future of Echo the Dolphin past this point. Sega originally wanted there to be a sequel for this, or at least um, perhaps Nova Trade International intended for there to be a sequel to this um, to make a trilogy of Echo games. However, and this ties in neatly with what we've been talking about this 
during the second half, they decided to instead develop a game called Echo Junior. Now, yeah. Echo, Echo Junior had an edutainment slash environmental message as part of it, which is maybe oh. around the first half, maybe where we got that kind of environmental side for mm, it from. Maybe. And Echo Junior is aimed at younger players. It And again, going back to what I said about how I, as a younger player at the time, found it quite confusing. Maybe that's the kind of audience they were trying to go for with Echo Junior because it's you play as a dolphin. It's also supposed to actually be quite good, which is a, a pleasant surprise as well. Mm. Uh, that came out on the on the Mega Drive, maybe for the consoles as well. I can't quite remember, but definitely Mega Drive. Then in two thousand, so quite a bit after this one in nineteen ninety four, a game came out called Echo Defender of the Future, which came out on the Dreamcast and PlayStation Two. Again, was received very well. The script for it was written by science fiction author David Brin, who I'd not heard of. Have you, no, I don't him? know him. No. So he wrote, he's written quite a lot of stuff, including a novel that came out in 1997 called The Postman, which is turned into a film with Kevin Costner. Uh, nope. Nope. Okay, I'd never heard of it either. That game, again, was supposed to start a new series of Echo the Dolphin games, and they planned a sequel to that, but due to the Dreamcast declining, it was cancelled. So the 2000 mm. game Echo Defender of the Future is kind of where the book starts with Echo the Dolphin. Um, although there is a sort of a uh, an epilogue uh, to that part of the story, which I'll come to in a minute as well, uh, it released on the virtual console. Both the original Echo Dolphin games released I didn't on the virtual know about console. Echo Defender of the Future. I don't know if you knew about that. I I'd heard of it because being, being a Sega boy, when the Dreamcast came out, although I never had a Dreamcast, they've released sequels to a few classic Mega Drive games, like I think the um, Toe Jam and Earl game came out around the same sort of time, so right. I was aware of, of there being sequels to those games, but I never played any of them myself Did at you all. know that this game came out on the PlayStation 2? Defender of the Future. Yeah. Yeah, I just said that. Thanks for Did listening. you? Oh, yeah. okay, sorry, I got <laughs> sorry. I got, <laughs> I got uh, distracted by the fact that there was one on the Dreamcast, and then I went yeah. Googling. It says it's the fifth title, so there's Echo, there's Tides okay. of Time, Echo Junior. Echo Junior. Another one? I don't know. Yes. Let's just have a look. Okay, you have a look while I talk about the um, so Visual Console. It also got released on Steam. It is still available on Steam. It is on Steam. This game is on Steam for 79 pence at the moment, which is incredible. What Echo is? Echo 2, 79p. Oh. I don't even yeah, think it's I'd on buy sale. It. I think it is just 79p, which is an absolute bargain, I think. Is that through the... Yeah, I think <clears throat> there's, there's like a a free piece of software that you can buy that then replicates uh, a living room, and then you can buy your Mega Drive games, and they go on the shelf in the living room, and then you pop them in your Mega Drive. Is that, is that, that, is that through that? Like Sega Classics or something like that, it might be I've called. I've no idea. Okay. I just went All to right, Steam. I might be making it up. It sounds okay. good. Yeah, I just went to Echo Steam. Echo Junior and The Great Ocean Treasure Hunt. Oh, so it's a sequel to Echo Junior. Apparently so. There we go. You live and learn. Right. Um, last fact about Echo before I talk about my... Uh... Hang on. On the Sega Pico. Ah, and interesting. That would like, be why. No Trade International, the company who obviously developed this, they created a few games for the Sega Pico, including Once Around Tales, which I remember lusting after when I was sort of 10 mm. or 11, because I was really into Tales as a character. So there you go. What goes around comes around, I guess. 
Mm. Um, another fun fact with this, Sega donated a percentage of the profits. I didn't find how much as a percentage, but they donated some of the profits of this game to the European Organisation for the Conservation of Natural Resources and Cultural Heritage. They need a new name. In order to help <laughs> them acquire research equipment for a marine research boat. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought so as well. And then last aside to the Echo Saga... As we said, the last game came out in 2000, Defender of the Future. The guy who I mentioned in the first half, who's the creator of Echo, Ed Annunziata, he reached a settlement with Sega in 2016 regarding the legal rights of the franchise and who owns the IP. This arose because he was trying to make a spiritual successor to the franchise, that, that old classic spiritual successor to the franchise, via Kickstarter, which was called The Big Blue. It, he couldn't use the name Echo because of this whole issue around who actually owned the title um he has since said that he does want to revive echo as a franchise on the switch now the kickstart of the big blue was sadly unsuccessful but i ah. have a look i had a look at it there is a video for it on kick on youtube not on kickstarter there's a video of mm. the project on youtube it actually looks pretty good i thought but as i said sadly yeah. it failed so that's that's kind of where echo is i guess metaphorically dead in the water right so oh god what a bleak image to end that sentence on thank you very much um so there are games like endless ocean that i think Catch suggest sort of i mean ambience. yeah or, i or thought absolutely absolutely yeah exactly there are games that i think speak to the possibility that actually an echo game would go down well it would have to be something slightly different to what it was in 2D form, I think. Because the action side of it, I think you'd have to play that in the right way for it to work in a 3D environment, in a 3D ocean. Um, you know, like bottle no uh, nosing the sharks to kill the sharks and them turning into um, anything but a bloody mess probably wouldn't work. Um <laughs> But but I could certainly see some kind of like almost like like a vaporwave esque game around ocean uh, around Echo swimming around exploring an ocean scape. I could see that working. I, you know, I think that sounds great. Well, basically a sandbox underwater. There you go. Explore. Yeah. Here here you go. You're a dolphin now. <laughs> You're a dolphin now. Have, That's what the game should be called. Have a fun day. <laughs> That would be a good game. I play. I would play that. Here you go. You're a dolphin now. <laughs> Just makes I mean, on the name alone. Of... I buy that. <laughs> I'll I'll get on it. Yeah, go on Kickstarter. Mm. Yeah, I I think there's a I think there's space for it. I do think there's space for it. Knowing that it's actually good as well, that mm. helps. Yeah, well, I, I'd be going back to what you said a few minutes ago. I'd be well up for trying the first Echo at a, a future multiple ten. Hmm. Maybe, maybe not even, this one though. Maybe even Echo Junior. Who knows? No, not this one. Mm. It'd be a bit too soon. Uh, episode one, one. Bit too many Echo. dolphins all in one. Yeah, in one pod. Net. Is that right? Pod. Pods of whales. Dolphins. I don't know. Pods. Well, dolphins are just tiny whales, aren't they? Aren't we all? Mm, yeah, probably. Actually, yeah. Of a kind. 
And on that note, thank you very much for listening. If you want to come join us on social media, then uh, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Remember, as we said at the start, if you could find time to review us like the wonderful Breadman123, that would be really appreciated. And when, yes, as please. well as that, do the rating and liking and subscribing as well. Yeah. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Ta-ta. Bye.